Welcome back to the Gentleman Ultra podcast. I am your host, as always, Richard Hall, and I am joined by Emmett Gates today. And we are going to be talking Derby della Madonnina, or more specifically, players who played for both Inter and Milan in the Derby. Well, how you doing, Emmett? You okay? Yeah, not doing too bad. Looking forward to the Derby on Sunday and getting into this discussion about uh, yeah about the Derby and Glory's past and all that. Well, just before we go on to the past, what about the present? I mean, you know, Milan this season, mightily impressive. Pioli showing everyone that Ralph Ranić wasn't the answer. Um, you know, Ibra in fine form. And then they hit a, a little hitch last weekend. And Inter, of course, you know, um, after a bit of a poor performance uh, in, the, in the Coppa d'Italia, um, came back in lightning form, really, against Lazio. But how, how do you see this going at the moment? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you probably would have bet on Milan coming out on top in the Derby. But, you know, the last couple of weeks, they've, they've tailed off. You have the, the defeat to Spezia, which was thoroughly deserved, by the way. Spezia mm. were by far the better team. And it really could have been more. And then you also have um, the Derby della Madonnina in the Coppa Italia, which went into his way. Um, and all the, the the aftermath between Lukaku and Ibrahimovic, so I've, I I'm I'm thinking in favour of Inter probably going into the into the derby as it stands, but if it had been a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have bet my hedges on Milan. It just shows you how football can turn in the space of a couple of weeks, can it? No, oh, absolutely. I think it's quite an interesting one this time because I mean we're going to talk about past derbies, but especially there, you know, however old you were, even if it's in the early two thousands, the eighties and nineties, you know, you always had that sort of triumvirate at the top of the table with Juve, Milan, and Inter. And you know, obviously Juve will catch up there because we've got a game in hand as well. I think the difference is eight points. And but you look there, and you look, you've got the two Milan teams up at the top, and it does look. It's been a while since we've had this sort of situation. Um, so I think it does add a bit more spice to it. I think as well, like you say, the that conflict between Eber and um, Romelu Lukaku is always going to get headlines, especially with the mural going. Have you seen that, by the way? The mural that's gone up. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Speaking specifically from an art- artistic standpoint, it was it was it's a beautiful mural. It is the inscription. I think it's head to head, heart to heart, which is uh, quite quite uh, quite good. But no, I think that it's going to be an interesting one, but. I've got to say, I think we've. I'm going to go with you on this at the moment. I mean, obviously, but I mean, in the sense of I actually believe it as well this time. It's not just blind loyalty. In the sense of if Lukaku's in any sort of form like he was um, last weekend, I think you know in that partnership with Lataro, when it's when it works and when it's on fire, um, it's going to take some stopping. But I mean, we mentioned Ibra. Um, do we start with Ibra? I mean, you know, we're talking of. The best player, uh, we're trying to figure out, at least the best player to have played for both Milan sides. And there are many. So I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, before we get to Ebra, I'm going to throw a few of the lesser known names out. Um, we'll just we'll just chew over some of these. I mean, <clears throat> one player who I really did enjoy, uh, mostly from his time actually at Roma, though, I have to say, is Antonio Cassano. Um, he's a nice one to start with because... It divides opinion. Uh, you know, he played 33 times 
for for um for Milan, scored seven goals. Twenty eight times for Inter, scored seven goals. So it's a it's a similar sort of a ratio in the sense of he's played for both teams, not for a huge amount of time. Obviously, just did. But what, what would you say for this one? You know, he's played a season for each. Um, where do you rate him, and what do you think of his form when he was, uh, you know, either of these clubs really? Um, well, it's with Fan Antonio. It's kind of like you said. You associate him more with Roma, and even to a lesser extent, Barry. Um, mm. Definitely not with Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had more pastries and he scored goals um, when he was at Real Madrid. Um, but I honestly, I kind of forgot that he played for Inter, literally mm. until you said it. You know, I I do have memories of him um, signing from for Milan, and he played a, a somewhat decent part in their last Scudetto victory which was what 10 years ago it'll be 10 years ago yeah. this this coming May and I kind of I've kind of maybe blocked out the memory of him playing for Inter um, I'm trying to think when did he join was it it wasn't that summer See, was it it was, it, was, it was it was it was a season after yeah straight after that he went and moved across so he just come off the back of winning a title with Milan uh, obviously fell out with all and sundry and um, decided to spite them and make the move across well, it wouldn't be Cassano if he didn't fall out with people, would it? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, even myself, you know, when he turned up at Inter, I, I remember not being overly amazed at this point. You know, it was a point of his career where, you know, you'd seen it. He was on the slide in the sense. And whilst you were hoping that he might recapture some form, you know, you, you didn't really think he was going to do so. But so we'll, we'll put him near the bottom Bottom end then, shall we? Because he's not really impressed for, for any. Now, yeah, I, I'd better make you... Sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, I think by, by the time Cassano gets to, to Milan and then to Inter, I think, you know, his best days are probably behind him. And he's, I, I, I mean, at that point, he's only, what, maybe 29, 30? And mm, yeah. I, I think post-Sampdoria, Cassano, unfortunately, he was never, never the same player. You know, I mean, there was uh, brief flashes of what he could offer at Parma going into the 2014 World Cup. But yeah, I think the the the, the years where he was at the two Milanese clubs, they kind of just, they're forgettable almost rather than, you know, obviously yeah. he's at Milan when he has the heart defect and yep. he, it looked like he would have to retire. But thankfully, you know, he did return, and but he was never... He was never this, at the same level. Although, once said that, he did he did play a big part in Italy, reaching the final of Euro 2012. Him and Balotelli. That's true. So, I mean, yeah, you just... With Cassano, you just, there's always an asterisk beside his name. You always wish if he just had his head right and focused what he could have achieved. No, absolutely. I completely agree. So, we'll move on from Cassano. Uh, just for <laughs> the way we're doing this, I didn't really explain this. We're not actually looking for the best player to have, uh, when I say to have played for both, we're looking for a player who influenced both uh, at Inter and at Milan. So, if anyone listens to this and wonders why we maybe missed out Patrick Vieira, it's because he played twice for, for Milan. You know, we're going to, we're not, I didn't know this until I did a bit of research for this, but um, Francesco Toldo at Milan. For three years, didn't play a game. Had no idea. Um, but, you know, we're not going to put him in the reckoning because he played, you know, all those games for Inter. Um, so that's how we're going to try and do it. To players who've maybe influenced both. Tell you what, 
let's go to um, a favourite. Is probably an understatement of yours, uh, Mr. Gates. Uh, Roberto Baggio. I mean, 95 to 97, plays 51 times for Milan. And then in 98 to 2000, he goes and plays 41 go- uh, games, gets nine goals for the Nerazzurri. Obviously, I know that his time, you know, he's probably better seen at Juventus, maybe at Fiorentina. And even at the latter stage of his career, it seems weird for me, this, because a player of that magnitude is remembered for that, for the, for his his beginnings, uh, for obviously what he did at Juventus. And then we seem to skip the Milan period and a lot of the time um, and move straight to the, the Brescia and Bologna era. Um, you're the man for Baggio, Emmett. What do you think? Uh, um, I think in the case of Baggio and the Milanese clubs, I think if he had a if he had it joined Inter first and Milan second, as opposed to the way that it actually happened, it probably would have worked out better for his career. In the sense yeah. that when he leaves Juve in the summer of '95. Uh, Massimo Moratti does put in an offer for Baggio but obviously Inter at that point were shambles hadn't won the, <laughs> sk- hadn't won the Skidado since 89 didn't look likely to win it in the previous couple of years before he left Juve so mm. he, he chooses to go to Silvio Berlusconi's Milan but at that point Milan already had Dijan Savicevic uh, Boban was there and Capello was manager and obviously if you if you know anything about Capello is that he likes his players to work hard run physical fitness needs to be at a premium and Baggio in fairness to Capello Baggio had been going through niggling uh, injury, spells of injury during his time at Milan from 95 to 97 and so I think he moves to, I think Milan signed him for 8.5 million in the summer of 95 and he goes to to Milan and I think the plan is for Baggio and George Weah to start up front for Milan because they, they had lost the Scudetto to Juve the previous year. And that's what happens. But Baggio, I think he gets substituted something ridiculous like 26 times in the league that season and Capello mm. criticised him in the media saying that he couldn't he couldn't finish 90, 90 minutes of football he couldn't finish a full game which really irked Baggio um, so he wins his second consecutive Scudetto but it's not really he's not an integral part I mean he scores seven goals that's a decent figure and he provides more assists for George Weah but it's more really Weah's Scudetto it's more viewed as Wes' title than Baggio's. And so... It's, it's a good point, that. Um, and then... But so, if he had a joint Inter in 95 as opposed to Milan, <laughs> it, would have been, it would have been the Inter of Roy Hudson. But I'm saying that Baggio would have been the star man. Whereas he kind of got... Oh, well, no, no, no. <laughs> Potentially not, because it's Savio Bianchi with, uh, and Luis Suarez got sacked earlier uh, in that season. Oh, uh, so he might have saved someone's jobs. Yeah. But then, oh, can you, right? Can you imagine him playing along that side? Then you're right. It transforms it because if you've got the likes of Pagliuca Bergami, Roberto Carlos Zanetti, um, Paul Ince, 
And then you look at the forwards. I mean, Marco Branca, Maritio Gans. We'll come back to him later. And Divide Fontelan. You put Baggio up front. That's a different team. Yeah, and he he would have been you know he would have been the star player every every game. There wouldn't have been any questions. Whereas in that Milan side, he kind of got lost in the shuffle. You know, because there was Savicevic, there was Boban. They were creative, creative players, and Baggio was just. Yet another creative player on top of what they already had. But if he goes to Inter, he would have been the or more or less the sole creator. And as you say, well, Javier Zanetti, a young Roberto Carlos, Paul Ince, Beppe Bergami, that's a very good spine. And I think, so I basically, I think in regard to Baggio, he got the clubs mixed up. You know, he should have done Inter first and Milan second. And I feel, you yep. know, and then if, if, if he stays at Inter, if he joins Inter in 95, Maybe the Baggio and Ronaldo partnership in 97-98, they actually win the title as opposed to finishing second because a lot of that season was Ronaldo mm. on his own. But if Baggio had been already there and Ronaldo comes in and maybe along with Zamorano, Inter win a couple of titles, you never know. Well, he goes there the next year and he does he fulfills his dream to play under Roy Hodgson. <laughs> <laughs> written in the stars. So, yeah. <laughs> he plays it. It's another. It's another season for Inter where they have uh, four coaches. Yeah, four uh, just ridiculous. Four coaches in one season, which is obviously brilliant. I mean, that's that probably explains, in a nutshell, part of the reason that team wasn't as successful as well. Because you know, you look at the people in that squad and. Another player we'll talk about later, you know. Well, we probably were. In fact, I'll address this now. Andrea Perlo, we won't really talk about because he hardly played at all um, for, for, for Inter. So you look at that side, though, with, with the likes of uh, you, you aforementioned, even Zamorano, Ronaldo, Baggio, Giorcai, Zanetti, Pagluca, Bergami. It's a Diego Simeone. It's a crappy squad. It's a ridiculous team. And yet, for some reason, well, we won't go into that, but it's uh, many reasons on that season. It didn't yeah. work. So, so overall with Baggio, I mean, I think he was a he was a victim of circumstance, and I mean, like we haven't even talked about it. I wrote a piece a few years ago about how in his second season at Inter, Marcello Lippi comes in, and then to the, the you know pe- people people have the idea that obviously it's well known that Baggio and Lippi don't like each other, but people think it started from when Baggio left. Juventus um, in the in the summer of 95 but that was more between Baggio and the club as opposed to Baggio and Lippi but the real problem between them two started at Inter the story goes according to Baggio that Lippi called him into the office and wanted Baggio to be a spy for him in the Inter dressing room because <laughs> it was felt that the Inter dressing room there was a lot of a lot of characters and Lippi couldn't control them and he wanted Baggio as his inside man almost and Baggio refused saying I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not going to be your mole in the dressing room. I'm, you know, a player's player, and whatever, you know, happens in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. And Lippi was basically was of the attitude was like, well, well, I'm not going to play you. And he only turned to Baggio then, as Ronaldo got injured, Vieri got injured, Rocoba got injured. I think it was only left with Baggio and Zamorano, so he was forced to play Baggio on Lippi's. On the Lippi side, Lippi said just I had no I had no use for Baggio. Baggio at that point was 32, 33. And Lippi, yeah. Lippi, Lippi even said recently that he just 
he's he, Baggio is a person that he just he has no not no respect for but just there's no warmth towards him and obviously the wounds cut deep on both sides I don't really know what Lippy's argument for excluding Baggio because I mean it's madness you know even Zidane there's a famous mm. quote from Zidane and Zidane's asked about Baggio on the bench and he says Baggio on the bench is something I'll never understand in this lifetime and because he, he benched him for large portions of the 99-2000 season and it wasn't like Inter were doing well Inter were struggling yeah and then the irony being at the end of that 99-2000 season you'll remember this well Richard Inter and Parma playoff there's a playoff of the last Champions League place yeah and Ronaldo had done his knee the, the serious knee injury at that point so he's out Christian Vieri gets injured um, in, at the beginning of the match so Vieri can't continue uh, there's Baggio and Zamorano up front and Baggio scores two brilliant goals past Gigi Buffon one's a free kick I think the match is in Verona in the Bentagotti yeah it's and, brilliant and, and Baggio Marathi Massimo Marathi had talked to Baggio before the match and he wanted him to stay and Baggio was like I can't stay with Lippi here this, basically yep. this club isn't big enough for the two of us and Marathi's like well if he loses the playoff match he's sacked and you can stay but basically by Baggio scoring those two goals and securing the win he's basically writing his own exit and so he leaves then at the end of the season and I think he only scores maybe four or five league goals that whole campaign but he hardly played so I think nice. I think if he had have did the two Milan clubs the other way around it probably would have been better for his career no, absolutely. I think that's a really, really well. That's something really well because we can. It's a really interesting period of, of his uh, of his career, and like you say, it would have been. It's, it, but like we said, it's almost something that's a bit of a what if. I think next one we're going to talk about moving swiftly on. I'll I'll just run through this one because uh, I know you don't like delving too far back into the past, and I'm a bit of a one for that. But Renzo Buffon. So if I was going to say Buffon, you'd probably think not that Buffon. Um, you'd be slightly wrong, actually, though, because Lorenzo Buffon uh, is related to Gigi Buffon. Um, and this is, and again, a goalkeeper. And he played for, for Milan uh, 277 times. And he also played for Inter 79 times. So this guy is like, if you're saying Lev Yashin is the best goalkeeper of the era... Uh, when FIFA ended up in the 60s, at the end of it, named their ultimate two squads. I was used to name two. Yashin's in goal for one and Buffon's in goal for the other. Um, this guy, you know, as a goalkeeper, we talk about people who sort of set um, set standards. Um, you know, the combination of he's just athleticism and also as well redefining the positional art of goalkeeping. He was just completely, uh, you know, quite beyond it. Uh, and we used to call him Lorenzo Il Magnifico. I'm sure it's a relation, uh, sorry, a, a, a Medici quote there somewhere in there. But this guy, you know, what he wins is you know, four, I think it's four, four Serie A championships with Milan. It was that great Milan squad as well. You know, the one with Cesare Maldini, lead home, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Gatti. It's, quite, it's just a, a absolutely superb team there and then later on in his career he goes on and while he wins one championship because he's coming at the to the end of his career with Inter but he almost helps to give birth to the uh, you know Helenio Herrera's really defensive but very good counter-attacking um, Grande Inter team so with that I mean we don't often talk about this guy we don't often talk about a lot of people who go that far but 
this guy, Emmett, he's got to have a shout at being uh, appreciated as one of the ones who's crossed the border. Because, okay, he's primarily, primarily a Milan guy, but, you know, still playing three seasons with Inter um, after his 10 years at Milan, you know, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, that's quite the, the track record there that you've you've spoken about. And obviously, he's unfortunate uh, in the modern era that he shares a surname with Gigi Buffon. <laughs> so when you say Buffon, most people think of Gianluigi and not Lorenzo. And I think he's, is he a distant uncle or a great uncle? Or a, is, there is definitely a, a connection between Lorenzo. Oh, yeah, no, Loren- Lorenzo's a cousin of Gianluigi's grandfather. So... He's there is definitely he runs in the family, and it, but yeah, you could say that Gigi gets it from Lorenzo. Yeah, he does. It's definitely in the the, the goalkeeping aspect is definitely in the family genes, you would say. <laughs> but yeah, that's the, his track record is you know it has to be respected definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll keep him. We'll keep him up there, but I don't think he's gonna be the number one because. Let's face it, you know, goalkeepers never get the credit they deserve, even Gigi sometimes. Um, okay, so moving on. There's so many to go for. Sure, let's, let's just do some quick analysis. Let's do some quick ones we can pretty much dismiss. Am I right in saying that Balotelli's out, out of this equation? I mean, his tra- his, again, his track record is respectable. I mean, he, he has, what, 20 goals for Inter mm, in, yeah. in his short time, what, two or three years? Uh, at Inter and then yeah. his couple of spells at Milan you know he's probably posting in around the same the same figures so I mean if you were doing a top 10 you would maybe put Balotelli in but yeah I don't think he he's up at the in the upper echelons but I mean he's definitely it, he posts respectable figures for both for both sides I feel yeah I think so and when you look at it you know I mean I forget. I forgot this because you you look at what he won at Inter. So he wins three champions, three Scudetti. He wins the Coppa d'Italia, the Super Coppa Italiana, and the Champions League. Okay, he's not featuring. He did actually feature a fair bit. Actually, he scored some vital goals in most of those competitions. I, I forget that with Milan, he didn't win anything, unless I'm mistaken. He didn't I always thought he did? Um, but like you say, it's uh, it's an interesting one because he has got the stats to sort of back it up. Okay, well, here's another guy with the stats to back it up. Hernan Crespo. What do you think? Um, Yeah, definitely. I think Crespo deserves to be on the list. You know, um, funny, I saw, I came across an Instagram. It was a classic football shirts. They posted uh, Crespo's. Uh, second goal in the 2005 Champions League final the Istanbul final mm. and you just think what a finish A what a pass from yeah. Kaká and B what a finish you know from Crespo like the dink is extraordinary and you just think how did Milan you know the, the, Milan had that in 0405 they got him signed him on loan from Chelsea mm. and I think they wanted to keep him but I think they went back on their word and sent him back to Chelsea, and you just think, how did Milan not keep him? Because he was such a such a lethal striker, and he could score every kind of goal. And he he was he was brilliant for both for both teams. He obviously only has the one season at Milan, and he's what three or four for Inter. Yeah, and obviously there were two different spells at Inter with the Milan spell, with the Milan stint in between. But Crespo was a, oh, he was an amazing striker, strong in the air. 
good uh, good on the ground, good feet, tactically sound. You know, just just an, an amazing striker and scored goals for fun for both teams. You know, even though he was only at Milan for a season, but I think he scores maybe 19, 20 goals in his only season for Milan. And then he goes back to Chelsea for a season, then transfers to Inter, and he has three seasons at Inter. And I think he scores maybe 30, 35 goals in all competitions in three seasons. So, I mean, yeah, Hernan definitely deserves to be on the list. I think so. I think because as well, if you from sort of 2000 to 2010, Milan Derby pretty much a lot of the time featured Hernan Crespo. <laughs> uh, so either way, you know, you've got a good part of a decade and like you say, for all the reasons you say, so he, he's certainly going to be up there. I think so. Anyway, it's uh, okay. I'm going to just do the, some of the big guns here because I, I'm conscious that we've got to get through quite a few. But so... Il phenomenon, Ronaldo. I mean, from an Inter point of view, just unbelievable. Just you know that just some of the just unplayable at times. Just absolutely incredible. No, just not got the words for it. Um, but is he is he tainted by his time at Milan, or could you? You know, obviously, as a player individually, you know, he probably outshined most of these, a lot of these in this list. But, you know, did he do enough at Milan? Was it, you know, the problems he had there? Does Do we class him up there? He's got to be in the top 10, surely, still, even with that Milan spell. Yeah, I mean, well, he signs for Milan in the January 07. And he has that, you know, the remainder of that season. It's it's kind of like the old Ronaldo has returned. You know, he scored, mm. I don't know, seven, eight, nine goals in that season. And I think he scores in the Milan Derby against Inter. I'm nearly sure Ronaldo scored. Um, and unfortunately, I think Ronaldo would be higher in this list had he not suffered another bad knee injury for Milan, which effectively cut his time short. You know, if Ronaldo had maybe 18 months at Milan or two years at Milan and had played in more derbies. I, I, and just in general, if he had played more for Milan, I think he maybe only plays 20 games, scores nine or 10 goals. I think we would will, we will be talking about Ronaldo higher on this list had his Milan spell lasted longer, had he played more games. But unfortunately, his injuries, it's, it's kind of sad when you think about it. He, he suffers terrible injuries at Inter, goes to Real Madrid, mm-hmm. Don't think he even suffers that many in the four or five seasons he's at Real Madrid. He comes back to Italy with Milan, and within a year he suffers another horrific injury, which more or less uh, puts ped to his time in Italy in Europe. Even he he goes back to Brazil. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult one, isn't it? Because that that time at at. Um, at yeah, I'm so uh, tainted in that sense because of that. So I definitely think, well, well, from our parameters anyway, the way we're looking at it, you know, I think that if we're talking about just individual players, that's one list, you know, and you compile it, it'd be very, very high up there. If you're looking at what effect he had for both Milan and Inter, I think that, like you say, just just maybe falls down there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if, so, you're, if you're going on talent, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's top really. of the list or near the top of the list. Yeah, absolutely. All right, then. So let's have another look. Now, I'm just going to dip very briefly back in time again. And I want to just quickly talk about Enrico 
Candiani and uh, played for Inter between 1937 and 1946. 187 appearances, 71 goals. And then later in his career, he does a season at Milan. Um, and in that season, he um, plays 22 times and eight scores eight goals. Now, bearing in mind, this guy is a central midfielder who's also used to play out wide a bit. Um, you know, Miazza always referred to him as a phenomenal player. Um, you know, and realistically, you know, this guy, the reason I wanted to talk about him, he didn't win a lot uh, with Inter. He won the City A Championship in 39-40 and Coppa Italia the year before. But remember I said he's a midfielder. He only scored eight goals as well for Milan. Yet, in the derby, he's the fifth joint uh, highest scorer. And he got seven overall in the derby for Inter. And he got three for Milan. But that's three in one season from a midfielder. Now, that's quite quite the achievement, really, when you think about it. Because Shevchenko's a top scorer ever in the derby on 14 goals. Miazza, after that, 13. Nordal, Neyes, Ibrahimovic and Candiani are next. So, what do you think about that one? Do you think that he deserves to be up there or his time at Milan too short? You know, because he has achieved something in that time frame, in a sense. Well, that's exalted company to be in. You know, with those names you just rattled off. And mm. as you say, to score that amount of goals as a midfielder in Serie A, you know, in the 60s and 70s, you know, goals were at a premium at the best of times, let alone for midfielders in big games to score that amount of goals. So he definitely has to be in the conversation, I feel. Yeah, we'll keep him in there. We'll keep him in. Let's go for... <laughs> there's some names when you go through I've had so much fun looking at some of these because just a few like uh, anomalies people you may want to forget special shout out for um, Drazen Brint I think it's Brintic Drazen Brintic one game for um, one game overall uh, for Milan uh, sorry for Inter and no games for Milan I have to be honest he's completely fallen off my radar you got any recollection of him? Who? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll, we'll move swiftly on for that. Um, <laughs> just Suleiman Sari. Now, don't laugh at this, Suleiman Sari, because he put in a few shifts. I mean, he, okay, you know, he played for into you know, 66 games in, in for there and for Milan in two shifts. It was uh, just around, what was it, 70, 70 games? Yeah, he's... He's consistent, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that Inter got the better of Mentari than of Milan. I think Mentari and God, Milan really? kind of... I th By the time Mentari gets to Milan, I think it kind of symbolises how far Milan had fallen from, you know, five or seven years previously, where they had Pirlo, Ambrosini, Seedorf all in midfield, and now they've got... Sully Montari and Kevin Constant, you know. <laughs> yeah. It shows, it shows <laughs> the fall. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave that one off. Joking aside, um, a name we probably should mention is Clarence Seedorf. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, Clarence Seedorf was, again, another phenomenal talent. Um, his time at Inter, 64 games, and then the, obviously the majority of his career, 300 and odd at uh, Milan. Um, scored more goals for Milan than I seem to remember as well. Um, 47 overall. Talking about goal scoring midfielders. 
Um, where does he rank? Uh, because I think when you look at top 10 lists, I would imagine he'd be in quite a lot of people's top 10. Yeah, Seedorf uh, would be pretty high on my list, to be honest, because, I mean, he, it still even boggles the mind that Inter agreed to sell him to Milan in the summer of 02. And he, he's, he's at, he, he was at Inter for maybe, what, two and a half years? And he was pretty, he posted pretty respectable figures, you know. It wasn't it wasn't like he was on the fringes of the first team. He was a he was a mainstay in in that side first under Lippi and then Hector Cooper. So I mean, it, it, it's amazing to me that Marathi even agreed to sell him to Milan to Milan in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it is it is unbelievable because do you remember two goals against Juve? I, we posted them on the on the TGU Twitter account a couple of weeks ago for the Derby d'Italia, and I mean when when Florence Seedorf struck a football, it stayed struck. Yeah, my God, superb player, absolutely superb. I think the same reason. I think for me, we'd probably go quite high on that list because as you, as you he's got enough games in for both sides. Uh, yeah, okay, he didn't win anything with Inter, but as you rightly said, I think if it had stayed there, it would have stood a chance at doing so. Um, but then, obviously, for what he did at Milan as well, um, you know, he's a player who performed for both teams, and so and just what well, just a wonderful footballer. And you know, we talked before that uh, you know Crespo was uh, featured a derby throughout that time frame. I mean, we just said then from two thousand to two thousand and twelve, it's just see, you know, Seedorf's there. So I think definitely would put him quite. I definitely yeah put him quite hurt the list. So, is there anyone in particular you want to uh, just throw in there at the moment? Because I'm going through and pulling a few out. Whether it's for good, bad or worse. I mean, we said we wouldn't talk about Perlo because he only played 20-odd times for Inter. Um, but anyone in particular? Um, that... No one really. I, I, I will say, I suppose I mentioned to go for uh, Bobo Vieri because he mm. went directly from Inter to Milan in the summer of Oh five, you know, it was a direct transfer, which is, which has been kind of rare since. You know, usually players, there's a club in between, whereas this was a direct transfer, and I, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's many high-profile transfers since, where players went directly from either club. Although in saying that, Christian Vieri at Milan was a non-non-entity. I mean, I think he plays what eight games, scores one goal, and then goes on home to Monaco. That's- yeah, it's it's that's the thing. So we can't. I mean, it really is. He's, he doesn't play, like you say, hardly any games whatsoever. So it's a really, really tough one, especially because he did so well. Into that leads me to um, one of what someone I put up there. But there is an argument. It, there can't be an argument that he's not. But in our in our premises of where we're putting things, um, you could potentially say that because he only had one career at. Uh, Milan, but he was there for two, sorry, one career? Two seasons at <laughs> Milan. Well, he only had one career at Milan. He only had um, two years at Milan. And it was something that he always regretted, as he said. And this is Giuseppe Miazza. Now, Giuseppe Miazza, I mean, they named the place after him. You know, they've got the whole, the, you know, the, the history that is behind him and Inter is phenomenal. You know, he's, argu- he's arguably the best player ever to play for Inter. Um you know, he's hit some ridiculous numbers. I mean, he has two spells. The second one's a bit more forgettable, but you know, his first spell, 348 games, 241 goals. Um, you know, 
the stories that are about me, actually, the way that he lived his life perhaps wasn't the most professional. Um, you know, wine, women and song would definitely, and football, that's probably the order as well. You know, the guy, the guy just had some incredible uh, ability. I mean, you go back and see anything of him now and he just looks like a, a different world away from the players of that time. Um, you know, he's probably one of the, the earliest names that you really associate with the Milan derby as well. Um, you know, he's, he's, the stories that, you know, you can go back and read about him. One particular is that he was always late. And I, mean, I think, sure, it is a Milan derby where... Um, He's been out the night before and uh, he wakes up and he realises the game's really, really uh, going to be be, uh, kicking off soon. And he gets to the stadium and the coach benches him. And I think Inter go down quite quickly. Sorry, no, he says he's not going to start him. He says he's not going to start him. And then he looks at the lineup across and uh, he's thinking about it. And in the end, he just says to Miazza, go on. And Miazza goes and scores a bunch of goals. (laughs) But it's just, which, which, which you would expect. But... Again, you know, like I said, these two seasons for Milan, I mean, okay, 37 games, nine goals. But he's got to be he's got to be up there, hasn't he? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, I know they named the San Siro after Giuseppe Miazza based primarily on his farm for Inter. But I mean, as, as you rightly alluded to, his record for Milan was nothing to be sneezed at either. So, I mean, yeah, undoubtedly he has to be in in the list or on the list somewhere definitely and probably towards the upper echelons of it. Yeah, I think again if you if you if like Ronaldo in some respects, you know, the, if you were taking players simply on ability, he's he's right up there. But then if you <coughs> excuse me, if you then say okay, he's got to have influence for both sides, maybe not so much. Well, that brings me to the next one and probably uh I mean it's Latan, isn't it? I mean, it's, we've got to talk Zlatan. Um When he was at Inter, I, mean, I remember I'd, I've seen it, saw him a few times live for Inter, and it was just unbelievable. I mean, he's still unbelievable. He's still unbelievable now. But just as a, as a player, you just felt that with him and the team, you just unstoppable. It was just. I remember. I think it was two thousand. And was it 2006, 2007? And is it? It's uh, San Siro. And the players into had, and he came off the bench, and he just I was just laughing, just the fact that you can have a player of that ability uh, come off the bench at one point. And obviously that wasn't because of his form; it was just I think he's come back from an injury. But I mean, this guy as well. I mean, I'll let you talk in a second about this, but we've got to just take into effect that you know, the the honors this guy has won. Um, both individual and um, you know, and for clubs, is ridiculous. And the old saying used to be, didn't it, that if you if you wanted to win Serie get Zlatan. Um, you know, we've got a situation where he's already been at Juve for two seasons. No, we won't talk about that. But he obviously then comes over to um, to Inter in two thousand six oh seven, um, and then you know he wins t- three back to back titles. Two Super uh, Coppa Italianas. And then when he comes back, um, he's back after Barcelona to, to AC Milan. And he, again, he wins, wins that title, wins a Super Coppa Italiana. The guy's unbelievable. And, you know, he's going to be, let's not forget, he's not finished. He's still going to play, you know, this weekend. Um, we've just talked about him already at the start. You know, phenomenal goal ratio for, um, for Inter. 
again the same for for Milan. And he could go, like you say, he could go and answer it. Is he number one, Emma? Is he the number one to stretch ball teams? I think so. I think when you examine the body of work, first with Inter, you know, those three seasons with Inter, mm. and now the, the two seasons he had with Milan a decade ago, and now what he's doing currently, I think it has to be Zlatan. You can't go for anyone else. You know, you almost you almost kind of forget that he also played for Juve. You know, he's so he's yeah. been so defined by first Inter and now Milan that you kind of and, and, and because the Juventus years were so long ago I mean you're talking about 04 to 06 so 17, 17 to 15 years ago he has become defined by his two stints with Milan and yeah he's a worthy number one or even maybe not a number one but definitely the top of the list it has to be Zlatan yeah you'd think so Think of the honourable mentions before we before we go. Aldo Serena, a player who I think we talked previously about this, a player we both sort of forgot that had been at Milan. Uh, you know, another player you certainly associate with Inter. Um, that was a, you know, he did cross the border, but nothing too special. Maurizio Gans, I, you know, okay, he's not going to turn over any uh, any knock over any trees here, but. You know, he's, he played 68 times for, um, for who was it 68 times for me? No, for Inter, of course, for Inter, yeah. And then um, goes on to have a decent stint, uh, 40-odd games for Milan as well. I mean, I wouldn't put him at the top of the list, but would you say he's in there anywhere? Yeah, I mean, he posts respectable numbers for both sides. And does Gans go direct or is there a go-between? Is there a club in between? I, can't I think he goes. He goes direct over because he's he's at Inter first. He comes from Atalanta, doesn't he? Originally, and then he goes. He sort of does the whole whole trip of the north. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because he finishes up with uh, Inter in ninety seven, and then moves across. So that was another direct one then. Because yeah, because there hasn't obviously there was a lot of direct ones, direct transfers <laughs> in the early noughties. You know, you have mm. Pirlo, Seedorf. Francesco Kaku, and so on, Christian Vieri. But in the in the mid nineties, I can't think of too many direct transfers. And Gantz obviously is definitely must be one of them. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And David's worth a shout. Have, didn't didn't play too much for either of them. Well, funny you mentioned David's. You know, we're we're talking. I just mentioned a moment ago about Zlatan, and you kind of almost forget. You know, he's been defined by the Milanese clubs. David's is the exact opposite. You know he's played for <laughs> he played for a Juve Inter Milan, but he's defined by his Juventus stint. And yeah, you almost forget absolutely. that he played for Milan and Inter, so he's the opposite of Dante's Latan in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's true. I think we, we should also um, have a quick mention, um, which I, I think this guy could be actually quite high up the list and doesn't really get too much of a mention. But Fulvio Colavati. Um, this is interesting now. I've saved this one to the end, so I want to see what you think. From 76 to 82, he plays 158 times. Uh, now he's a centre-back, so he only scores four goals for Milan. And then direct crossover in 82 to the Arch City rivals, and he plays for Inter 109 times. Now that's quite uh, quite a stint, really. One, one a title with then 
won one, two titles with Milan. One was a Serie B, Coppa Italia, nothing with Inter. But that's quite a substantial piece of work for both teams. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good track record on both sides. You know, near enough the same amount of number of games for both teams. And what what I'm trying to think, Inter in the mid to late eighties, Inter don't really win a whole pile. You know, nah. obviously they win the title in '89 with Trapattoni, but he's obviously gone by that point. Yeah, absolutely. He's got he's still that build up towards those those years. Um, you know, it's it's a funny old funny old era for Inter in some respects because you know you've got that. Uh, but it's a funny old. It's a quite an interesting time of uh, for all the teams because obviously Milan originally when he's when he's there they obviously get relegated. What year did Milan get relegated now? Because I'm wondering if that's the specific reason of of why. He would have um, moved across. It would make sense that that yeah, happened. It was eighty two, was it? Not yeah. So then he moves in. 82. So he moves in eighty two. Um, yeah. So that's obviously as a result of Milan going down uh, after Milan had been reasonably successful, um, and then obviously you know the Milan had that period between then and is it eighty six when Berlusconi comes in or is it earlier now? Eighty six. Eighty six. Because uh, just before then you've got like the Haitley uh, Wilkins era. Yeah. Um, but you know, in Inter at that time, I mean. Yeah, okay, you've got the likes of... You can see the semblance of that squad starting because Zenga's on the bench. Uh, Giuseppe Beres in the squad with Bergami. Um, Ricardo Ferry's knocking around. But again, they make a mess of a lot of foreign transfers because obviously I think there's only two at that point. But they go and get... They always have an association with Germans because Hansi Muller was knocking around. and Ligger, there? That came later. I think he was 86. Ah. Um, Altabelli and Aldo Serena's there, but you can see that that team's sort of building. Um, but again, you know, they're sort of finishing fourth and then not really doing anything into into Europe. They finish third in another season. They get Liam Brady and Rummenigge over as well. And I think, I can't remember if that's 85, 84, 85 or 85, 86. But, you know, it, it's, you can see that they're trying to... I mean, Brady was actually pretty good for Inter, actually. So, and Rummenigge was decent, but he just didn't... Just didn't have enough at the time. And then, yeah, so it's an interesting period. But, yeah, it's, it's a shout, really, because I think that, you know, he's still with them. What, so what year did I say he left now? About 87 or 86 he leaves. And then, you, yeah, you're looking at that. And that, that season after he leaves, yes, yeah, so this makes a lot of sense because the season after he leaves, then you've, you've got the likes of, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Todd Deli's had it to come over, Passarella's in that team. It's only a couple of seasons afterwards that it all takes off. So, yeah, there's a shout for him, but um, it's it's quite an interesting, um, quite an interesting player. Anybody else you can think of? Any honourable mentions we think we should have? Or, I mean, I'm not going to ask. We're not. We said originally we're not going to do a list where we say right, okay, this is this is number one, number two, number three, number four, number five because it's just too difficult. Um, but any other honourable mentions of people who played both sides? I think we've covered everyone, you know, any of the big players. I don't think there's, you know, you could maybe throw in Leonardo Benucci, but most people kind of forget that he come through the interview setup. You know, he's he's been defined by his time at Juve and his disastrous yeah. season at Milan. So you couldn't. It's really, you know, Benucci's not one that you'll you'll throw out in a hurry. But I don't. I think we've kind of covered all of the the major players. I think the major ones. Thomas Helveg worth a shout. Thomas Helveg played for Inter? 
<laughs> he certainly did. He did. <laughs> Sorry, that made me laugh. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He only had uh, one season in two thousand three, two thousand four. Um, didn't didn't play twenty odd games. Nothing compared to his hundred plus for Milan. Yeah, I do not remember Helvig at Inter at all. Not like not one bit. <laughs> I, I I remember him, just not particularly particularly well. Really, I think that's uh, there's been, <laughs> there's been some bad ones. Pazzini, we missed out. Pazzini, I've just just remember that was one I was wanted to throw to you. Jump I mean, Pazzini. Yeah, I don't. I, I, it's, it's kind of like we, we, when we talked about this the other day. I don't remember Pazzini at Milan. I remember him at Inter and Fiorentina and Verona. You did that. The irony of that is though, he scored he's seventy four he played more for Milan, seventy four games, twenty one goals in comparison to fifty and sixteen for, for Inter. It just shows you, doesn't it, that you know mm. you get you get a player in a certain shirt stuck in your brain and it yeah. just it just it just stays there. You just retain it. <laughs> Even if he had more <laughs> if he played more games for the other in, uh, Milan side, you just you have that visual and you just keep it. Well, I'll say one player who does that for me is uh, Brazilian Mancini. Because every time I think about him, you know, I mean, you think he's, he's with him for me. He's uh, how can I put it? He's 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 really characterised by Sam at Roma because he plays so much at Roma. So you know, you, you look at him in that Roma shirt, and randomly, the only thing you ever think about is all those step-overs in the Champions League against uh, Leon. He's, yeah. he's characterised by that those step-overs in his time at Roma, and yet he plays for both uh, both Milan clubs. Now that you mentioned it, I actually forgot that he played for Milan. You know, I wouldn't have remembered only until you brought it up. Mm. When we're looking through this as well, another one that got me really... Uh, I cannot... Now, this baffles me, and we're probably maybe end it here because I think we're going to just go on and on and on because there's so many but um, Cerebo West you remember so I remember him at Inter that's how I characterise him even though you know for a couple of years um, <laughs> you just remember him in that kit you know with, with the dreadlocks and and I do not remember him going to Milan and that one was a direct season after because he went, started in 97, 99 at Inter, and in 2000 goes over to to uh, to Milan. And that is lost on me. Yeah, I do not remember Torebo West at Milan whatsoever. Again, I'm like you, I remember him at Inter with the, the blue dreadlocks or, you know, whatever jersey yeah. Inter were wearing. That week, he would change his hair colour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do not remember him at Milan whatsoever. Yeah. Absolutely, it's, uh, it's bizarre. So, yeah, a few players we missed out, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, Umit Davila never played actually for um, for Inter, even though he went over there. So, obviously, if anyone's thinking why we didn't mention him, it's tough. Um, Francesco Cocco did play for both sides a bit. Diana Brock is another one. Yeah, we didn't really talk about too much, but there's not a huge amount to talk about. Andrea Polly, my God, I forgot he played for Inter. Um, that's one I want to forget. One we should probably apologise for is Giuseppe Favalli because he did play 50 times for Inter 75 for, for Milan. Uh, likewise, Dario Simic. Uh, he had a good stint, 66 for Inter 82 for Milan, so we probably should have mentioned him in some respects. But... Well, that's it. I've quite enjoyed going through and just looking back at those players because obviously they're just ones you remember. 
Uh, but my God, we um, we forgot a few there. It's uh, yeah, that's quite that's quite bizarre. Some of them you just think, wow, I can't believe they actually actually played for them. So we did did one bit of research, which was which was quite odd as well. And if anyone knows of this, they can they can hit us up on the Twitter. When you look and you're researching for for anything like this, and we're looking at the scorers, there's a guy, Marco Sala, scored 31 times for uh, for Milan, and he also played for Inter. And we're going right back now. So he plays 1908 to 1920, and then he plays 1921 to 1922, just one season for Inter. But for some reason. I can't find anything uh, that interrelated or any personal like Wikipedia page or profile or anything, any reference to that goal for Inter. So if anyone knows anything about that, let me know. Excellent. Right, well, Emmett, um, oh, just before we go, anything we want to just let the listeners know that's coming up on the website, anything we want to um, draw attention to at the moment? Uh, Sam Brooks has a piece going up in the next few days about the best goals in the Derby della Maddalena um, over the last decade. So keep an eye out for that. And we have a couple, a, a couple of pieces going up in the next few weeks about the history of Italian uh, stadia. Um, what's in a name? Why are certain stadiums named as they are? So yeah, we've got several pieces going up in the next week or two. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Looking forward to both, actually. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Emmett. That's been a good fun game back over the Derby della Madonnina. So for us now, it's ciao for now.